Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things Super Coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisper and Brew. The bloody Gold Coast Titans. Who knows what's going to happen with them this year? As a Roosters fan, Brew, I think it's pretty fair to say you guys got very, very lucky to escape the finals the way you did last year. Uh, if it wasn't for Patrick Herbert trying to be the hero, we could be talking about the Titans in a very, very different light. Um, obviously, the mishap happened. They lost a the game they probably should have won. They scraped into the finals with a 10-14 and 14 record, but uh, I do expect a bit of improvement from the Titans. Maybe not so much on the ladder, uh, but definitely when it comes to the wins and losses. How are you, mate? First of all, listen here, mate. Oh, here it was go. never in doubt, ever, as if Andrew Fafita alone on the wing David was Peter. ever going to run over. Yeah. yeah well, not Andrew, David, not Andrew. doesn't matter. Fucking if as David Fafita is not getting across any of the roosters line. We had that in the bag, the whole game, never in doubt. I didn't bead a sweat bead at all. Just quietly though. Were you shitting yourself? I was consigned to the fact that as soon as they got the ball back in that, you know, 79th minute with 30 seconds to go and spread it wide that we were completely tanked. You were cooked. And when it went over the touch line, I was just like, that is so Gold Coast Titans. And then I knew we were playing Manly and I shut off the NRL season and I didn't watch too much of that game. It was 12 nil after about 3.2 seconds and Tommy Turbo in full flight. That's all she, that's all she wrote. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no mate, I'm going all right. I, um, as I told you a few minutes ago, I had a dodgy kebab uh, today. So I've got Mike Tyson in my guts throwing lefts and rights, but I'm here Ugh. and I'm here to talk about the Gold Coast Titans. The fun, the fun stuff. Yeah, mate, the Titans look, Last year, like a lot of sides, they crept into the finals with a 10-14 and 14 record. Not fantastic. I expect that to improve. Uh, they were 5-7 and seven at home, 5-7 and seven away. They scored 580 points. They conceded 583, which equates to 21, uh, 24.1 points for, 24.3 points against. So basically, scored as much as they conceded. So that would basically allude that they should have been closer to 12-12 12 and 12, rather than 10-14. and 14. They ranked 6th for points scored, but 10th for points against. So a side that can definitely put up the points, uh, probably not a side that can defend. I think Justin Holbrook will need to address that this year. Uh, I think they, if they can push their defense up close to the eighth or seventh best ranking side, uh, they could be anything. And in saying that, though, I've, I've got them finishing in eighth, but I think that they'll, they'll be finishing in eighth with a better record. Look, I've got them finishing in ninth, but I think I'm being very courteous to them, I can see them finishing as low as 14th. Ooh, oh, okay. Mm. I don't see them finishing I am that here to low. argue if anyone wants to argue. Yeah, I just... All right, I, I want to hear your reasoning as to why you think they're going to be as low as 14th. First of all, if you do hear any sneaky burps, I'm sorry. 
but I am here with very sick guts and I just did one. Um, okay, so my reasoning is this. New fullback, new six, pretty much a new seven, new nine. It's as simple as that, really. Uh, I don't see where the improvement is going to come defensively. Pretty much everyone from eight through 13 and two through five is the same as last season for me. So you've got a new spine with the rest of the side the same. I don't see that new side gelling, new spine, sorry, gelling anytime soon, to be honest. And I think that they will struggle. I think I've probably, looking at it now, been a little generous in saying they'll finish ninth. I think they might actually struggle a little bit. I've got them pretty nailed on to be around the eighth spot. So very interesting watch this season. I think one signing that has gone under the radar massively uh, is Isaac Liu coming from the Roosters. I feel like he's going to help this this first uh, this this best thirteen immensely. I've got him coming straight into the starting side. Um, they've also brought in Paul Turner from the Warriors. They've got Aaron Booth from Melbourne, and they've got Will Smith from Parramatta. Who I think is another handy pickup. Uh, I did forget that Will Smith did move, but he's a very very good solid fourteen, and he'll rival Tanner Boyd. Uh, for that utility role. For the losses, uh, look, they've got Jai Whitbread, Stam Stone off to Lee in the UK. Uh, they've got Jonas Pearson off to the Central Coast Capras uh, in the QRL. They've got Tyrant PG off to the Tigers. They've got Fogarty off to the Raiders. They've got Ash Taylor to the Warriors. They've got Mitch Rain to Parramatta. And they've got Anthony Don off to the retirement home. So a few starters in that list of losses, um, but I think they've got enough coming through to, to cover that. Um, I'm really, I'm really keen on the Isaac Liu signing. As a Roosters fan, would you have liked to keep him? Or are you happy that he's going to be uh, a main part of, of another side? Or, or where are you sitting with that one? Uh, Liu had a very successful career for the Roosters. I believe he's got three premierships. Uh, very underrated player for the club. I wish he could have been a one-manner. Um, but he has moved on to the Titans for, an, I guess, more of an opportunity. I'm not 100% sure that he starts. Uh, I have given him a starting spot, but I believe that there's a fair chance that he does come off the bench. I think he's a good signing for him. He, he's a very solid player, comes from good systems. He'll, you know, tackle his guts out. He'll give it his all. So I think he's a good signing for them. I'm kind of probably 60-40 on him starting. I'm not 100% on that, but he's a he's a good pickup. He's a solid signing uh, for the Titans. Out of the losses, I really only see Mitch Rain being a huge loss for them. I mean, Jai Whitbread, bench forward at best, Tyrone Peachy. He's a, he's got a very specific role on this side, which I didn't think he fills anymore. Jamal Fogarty, I'm the highest of highs in Toby Sexton, so I'm happy to see him go. Ash Taylor didn't work out. Uh, I'm really hoping for the best for him at the Warriors. Uh, but I feel like, yeah, they're missing a good nine. And, and Mitch Rain is a, is a very, very handy nine. And I feel like he could have helped this side this year. Jamil Fogarty, for me, is the biggest loss to that side. I think they didn't appreciate how good he was. I think they overvalued. Um, Undervalued. I'm a full mental blank here. The seven that went to the Warriors. Uh, Taylor. Taylor, I think they overvalued him too much. I think for, I think Fogarty's a loss, and I, I think he's part of the reason that I don't think that they'll go so well this year. Sexton's a very good player, but he's a very green player. Um, quite 
quite good, quite attacking, but he's going to have a lot of ups and downs this year. Probably a little bit similar to the way Walker did last year. He started hot and then tailed off a little bit once, you know, they kind of found him out a little bit as to how he plays and uh, wasn't catching them off guard anymore. I think he'll be a little bit erratic with his super coach scoring. Brimson, Brimson is more of a one than a six for me, and that concerns me for AJ Brimson. He's the top player that I can see ending up in England, winning a Man of Steel award because he can't cut it as a six. But big, Jaden big Lachlan, showed, big Lachlan Coot vibes there. Yeah, Jaden Campbell showed so much that I get it. I understand why they've done it, but at the same time, I'm not a hundred percent sure that Brimson is a genuine six. I don't think he's going to turn into a Darren Lockyer. I think he's better suited to fullback. And I think it might catch him out at times this year. Yeah, you would have liked an experienced six next to Sexton because obviously Sexton's the future. I don't think Sexton and Fogarty would have worked together. So you need an experienced six. Uh, Ash Taylor probably wasn't that guy. So that's maybe something they would have targeted in the market if Jaden Campbell didn't come along and, and impress as much as he did. But he did. Uh, and he's locked down that number one jersey for me. And I think 99.9% of NRL fans would also agree that Jaden Campbell's in the one. Now, you and I have touched on him and Reese Walsh being the only two options that we could look at outside of the big three when it comes to fullbacks. Um, we we went in length on the Campbell slash Walsh strategy to move on to Luttrell after four or five rounds. Uh, I'm still standing by that. If you don't go... I mean, if you go turbo and you need funds, I don't hate the Campbell move, but I wouldn't be going any lower than that. Yeah, I probably wouldn't go Campbell either. For me, it's probably down to Walsh and the players that we've discussed above. I can see the benefit in maybe taking a Smokey, but honestly, I'm, I haven't changed my fullback once this entire preseason, so I can't really avidly support the Campbell move, but he's probably one of two that I might take outside the, say, big four or five names. Yeah, the only issue is Reese Walsh, obviously, suspended for the first round, so it makes, makes taking Kind him, of rules him out yeah, as well, yeah. So that, and that's, that's why you lean towards Campbell, if you, if you like the strategy that Brew and I imposed. Um, when it comes to wingers, I've got Corey Thompson and I've got Philip Sami. I'd be surprised if you had else. No. No. I don't. I have exactly the same... It, it disappoints me a little bit. Uh, I am really keen on Marshu, um, but I just I'm not sure where he fits. The both the centers and the wingers for me, I think, speak for themselves. They've earned the right to be given the opportunity to start the season. So unfortunately, he's one of those guys that is good enough, but is actually going to miss out on my 17 today. Yeah, he's going to miss out on mine too. Um, sorry, someone that we didn't mention in the games. I'm pretty sure Isan Masters has also signed with the club. Um, that for, was last year. Oh, it was last year. Shows you how yep. how on the ball I am. Um, so Isan Masters is obviously there as well. And it was hard to not include him because of how damaging he can be fully fit. But we haven't seen him. I think he played a few games from last year, but he played like absolute garbage. Mm. And he's a little bit on the outers with the club. Yeah, someone someone, my understanding. someone asked me about him the other day and they said, oh, what are your thoughts on Isan Masters? I think he's about 300k. And I was like, oof, tempting. Um, but looking at the Titans 17, the side that I've assembled, uh, there's nowhere that he gets in. Um, I've got Marzu over him when it comes to putting him on the wing. And then the centers that I've got, uh, Brian Kelly and Patrick Herbert. Uh, I've got those two 
ahead of, of Isar Masters by the sounds of it. We had the same back five. Yeah, spot on. I, I, I don't – I'm 99.9% sure that that's the back five. In fact, I'd lock in the back seven, to be honest mm. with you. I don't think that's really up for debate with the Titans. It kind of speaks for itself. Who knows? Maybe we get surprised. Maybe a Marshu or someone trains their house down, so to speak, and, and does push their way in. I'm just not sure who they would push out. To be honest, Corey Thompson is probably one of the guys that would be most likely to be pushed out. And we all saw what he did to start last season. So why not give him another opportunity, you know, fit and firing, fresh, ready to do it again? Yeah, so you said we're locking the top seven. Six is Brimson, seven Sexton. Let's go over this back line when it comes to a super coach standpoint. Jaden Campbell, we've touched on. He's probably a smoky if you're going to go turbo uh, and you need to find cash. Uh, with no Walsh, you look at Campbell. Uh, Corey Thompson, yeah, he meant like he averaged like 65 70 in the first couple of like first eight rounds, had the injury and then sort of fell off a cliff a little bit. But I mean, the Titans have a pretty juicy draw to start. I think they play the Eels away, the Warriors, the Raiders, the Tigers, and the Eels again. So look, two Eels games ain't great, but the Warriors, Raiders, and Tigers could all present some some nice points. Um, so yeah, Corey Thompson could be on the end of those. So could Philip Sami. Um, you mentioned Thompson would be your guy that you. Shift out for me to be Sami. Um, I would probably drop him for Mazu and keep the nimble body in Thompson and the bigger body in Mazu on, on opposite sides of the wing. But yeah, I mean, Corey Thompson, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, a lot of people jumped on last year. I think that was the week he got injured. So not great for them, but it was the right move at the time because he was he was flying. He was putting up uh, similar numbers to Brett Morris in a, in a, in a probably five or 10 points less than what Beamons was doing. But yeah, if you can put up 70 points on the Titans' back line last year, you were doing very, very well. From memory, he was on about 27 points after about nine minutes or something like that. I'm pretty sure he had a line break or a try before he went down. I can't actually remember if I had him or didn't have him, to be honest with you. I know he was the talk of the town, and I can remember being on the couch and watching that and seeing that injury, but I can't remember what my reaction was, and I can't actually remember if I picked him. For the mere reason that if I did pick him, it was literally the week he went down. I traded him the next week. I just can't recall. I made so many wild trades last yeah. season. I can't actually remember if I had him. Um, but that said, like, who's to say that he doesn't come out and do the same thing again? Exactly. Like, he the clearly was, to find he wasn't the same guy when he came back last season. Something was different. Whether it was the fact that the Titans' style had changed and other bodies had stepped up and taken over what he was doing, I don't know. But at the start of last season, he was he was like a crash test dummy. Like he was just running and bumping off left, right and center and, and suddenly making a line break or being on the back of a line break assistant, making that line break himself and scoring between 70 and from memory, like 120 week in, he week was, out. He was just where everyone was like, we got to get this guy. He's a keeper. He was just such a good like support dude as well. Like you, you, you hit the nail on the head. If he didn't make the line break, he was there. To, to, to support yeah. the guy that, that was the, exactly. So as a Tigers fan, it hurt because we, we deemed him. How much is he actually? Um, oh, I would say probably mid probably fives. probably be pricey. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say yeah. like fives. I haven't looked at him. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, because based yeah, off the but form I can, If someone year, wanted to argue with me, hey, I'm going to back him to back up last season's start, I don't think I could really argue with them too much if, they, if the rest of their side looked pretty good. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like if you're going to spend big on your center wings, you're going to have to nail it because it can be so volatile. Uh, Corey Thompson Absolutely. is coming in at 507k. So I thought around fives, just based off his performance last year. Look, I don't hate it. Um, not something I'm leaning towards, but yeah, the, there is merit behind it. Um, I definitely prefer him over Philip Sami if you're taking one of the Gold Coast wingers. 
Sami. Yeah, Sami doesn't interest me no. a whole lot, to be honest. And then same with the centers. There's only one center here, and I'm looking at it. it's Brian Kelly. Um, I was tossing between Kel- I was tossing yeah. between Kelly and Toto all preseason last year. Uh, I heard the news that Toto was moving outside of Stephen Crichton. Uh, we then picked up Brian Kelly over over Brian Toto. Brian Kelly got injured the first week, and Brian Toto scored 88 from memory. So we ended up ditching him. But Brian Kelly, similar to Jesse Ramian in that sort of just base stack guy in your center wings, probably probably not the mold of player to be looking at in this day and age with how high we need the ceilings to be. Uh, he's a very safe set of hands, but he probably isn't going to get you that 120 uh, out of the blue like someone like a, a Garrick did last season, for example. You and I didn't know each other from Barra Soap at that point in time, and we did exactly the same thing. That's quite funny. Look, Kelly, I, I, I recall speaking about it on the centre pod. I, I think he had a near 57, 58 average for two or three years in a row, and it just seems like that's his norm. His base is somewhere around that 30 mark, which is decent. He just doesn't seem to have that attacking upside beyond that. Solid base. You know, he gets the occasional line break, the occasional try, which does push his, push his average up. But ultimately, the, the ceiling's not there. The floor's not high enough. So he's kind of a mid-range, well, not even a mid-range. He's a mid to high-range trap almost for me. I hate calling him a trap because he's not like he's good. Just He's not a trap. He, he, just, he, just, age, he just presents no value. Yeah, exactly. And, like, and in this day and age, like, Super coach is a game that you really want that ceiling. Yes, you want some guys with their high base and whatnot, but like I'd prefer a, a Ramian type this year over a Kelly type, for example. He is the center wing. Price wise, it's 30, 40K. I know we spoke about Ramian last podcast. I'd rather pay the 40K for the Sharks, who I believe's, you know, a top four to six side than the Titans, who I don't see improving a great deal given all the changes they've made to their spine. Brian Kelly is just the center wing Cam Munster. So, like, Cam Munster is always the 70 to 80 guy, but the difference is 70 to 80 is a whole lot better than 55 to 60. Um, yeah, especially for 150K more. I'd take the yeah. 60 to 70 every day of the week. So, that, that, that that's probably what Brian Kelly is. Not Nothing against him. If you pick him, it's a safe 55 to 60 points a week. Awesome. Um, but just don't expect that huge score. If you're behind by 100 come Sunday afternoon and you've just got Brian Kelly, probably chalk that one up as a loss, whereas the other center wings could might might get you. Even with a try, he probably only pushes him up to closer to 80, 85, which, cool. 85 is a fantastic score, but if, you look, if you're relying on a try to get that um, for a win, it's, it's, it's a nervous watch. AJ Brimson, we've touched on. It's very, very hard to analyze him because we just have the fullback stats to go off. So I'm pretty happy to leave AJ Brimson when it comes to Supercoach stocks. And, and I, it's hard to talk about him. We're just talking about him at fullback. Uh, I got burnt by him last year in draft. I remember he finished 2020 with an eight-round average of 75. Um, so we took him pretty high in draft and then came out like a busted last year. Jaden Campbell came in, took over, looked phenomenal, and uh, shows you how high they rate Campbell when they're just putting him straight into the one slot when Brimson's been there for a while. Brimson is an origin player. Um, he's a, I wouldn't say an older head of the club, but he's definitely one of the leaders they look to. So it's huge wraps on Campbell when it comes to Brimson, though at six. I can't tell you to buy him. I can't tell you not to buy him because we've got no stats to go off. My gut feel is to avoid. Um, but the fact that he's available at 5'8 is handy. If anything does happen to Campbell, you can play a fullback at 5'8 in Supercoach, which is always nice. Yeah, look, this is this is the definition of a coin toss for me. We know he's got talent, but we we honestly 
we don't know anything about this guy playing five eighth, and I personally think it's going to fail. To be honest with you, that's a gut call. You know, I'm happy for anyone to call me out if, if they've got some data on maybe games he played, God knows when, at at five eighth, and want to come back at me. By all means, do it. I'll be happy to hear it, but. I just don't see that this guy is going to have a kicking game, going to have the passing game, a controlling game that, you know, a 5 eighth needs. If they don't have that game, then they need to be playing off the back of a controlling seven and then they play like a Luai or a Cleary, who I feel he's better suited to be like long-term is to mould himself off those type of players. I just, I'm not sure a guy that's played four games is going to be able to provide that in the number seven jersey for him, maybe long term, but short term, I think, I think the Titans might be in for a lot of pain, and I think by the end of this podcast, you're going to be maybe reconsidering your eighth. Place no, prediction. never believe in the Titans. Believe, believe in number seven, Toby Sexton. Uh, look, Mate, uh, at the end of the season, you're going to be saying, "Remember the Titans. Remember the the 2021 Titans that made the finals when they finish damn near the bottom of the ladder." Um. Look, you think of South and you look at like Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds about how they sort of split sides. They both take over kicking duties and whatever. Fifth tackle options. I don't see the ball going near anywhere near AJ Brimson's hands. It's it's going straight to number seven, Toby Sexton, my boy, the man I've spoken about plenty on this podcast. Yeah, you can give me all the four game sample size you want. Don't care. Average sixty two in the four games. Kids about thirteen years old and look like an absolute star. You can point towards the fact that he only scored against the bottom sides. That's kind of what everyone does. I mean, Turbo averaged 140 last year and only scored 70 against the top sides. So, like, no one is invincible to this. And that's what we want. If we have the Titans finishing around mid-table, we want him to be putting the beat down on guys that are lower than him. And, I mean, you can point towards the 32 against South all you want. That was 32 all in base. The bloke made, like, 27 tackles that game. The bloke is a machine, averages 24 tackles a game, for a half, that's immense. He'll be goal-kicking. Like I said, AJ Brimson ain't getting the ball come the fifth tackle. They're going to be looking to Sexton. I am huge on him at 400-odd K. Uh, I, I don't have the confidence in the Titans to... Anyone going SJ? Anyone going SJ over Sexton? Miss me with that. Take Sexton all day. I'd take SJ now. <laughs> what, I've, just I've just, just to spite me? Is that, is that just so to fucking spite me? I was really high on him a few weeks ago, but it's really, you know, what's really funny. Like, and I guess I've noticed this since I've started doing more research because of the podcasts until you see the 17 in your mind, there's guys in your head that you're so keen on. And then when you look at the side as a 17, like Marshu, I would have given anything to start that bloke. Yeah. Now that I've drawn a 17, He's not even in the yeah. bloody side. <laughs> it's the it's the problem when, when you I start. When I look at the side yeah, when, when and you, the spine, I sit there and go, actually, Sexton scares the shit out of me no, because this no. is a weak ass spine. Now, I'm I'm sitting here going, I called him ninth. I'm a bit worried they might come twelfth or thirteenth. Looking at this side, Sexton's the man, man. Sexton's Sexton's the guy. Look, in all seriousness, I probably won't yeah. even start with him. I probably end up pussing it out and just taking Cleary. But oh, I, I don't I've know. changed my strategy completely now. So I'm I'm Sexton's really not I'm really in my keen. side. I'm really keen. I, I will. I reckon Trindle's more of a chance now than even though we did the Sharks last week. We just said he's on the bench. I've, I've spent it. I've spent. I've spent a good hour and a half this afternoon arguing for Hines on Twitter. If anyone saw it, 
And the more I talk about it, the more I talk myself into the fact that maybe Trindle will play seven. I hope he does because if Trindle play, if, if Trindle starts, it makes my life easier. And I'd probably just go. Trindle, it just makes Trindle. more sense yeah. beside Hines to, to to have Trindle than it does Moylan, and it makes more sense for Moylan to be the fourteen than anyone else, given they're saying that Connor Tracy's going to start center. And I know this isn't a Sharks podcast, but people are firing me up when it comes to to Nico Hines, and I'm starting to get a bit cranky about it. Good. Keep rattling. Everyone rattle Brew. Tell him why Nico Hines is such a bad play. Bring it on. Bring um, it on. All right. So we've, we've rounded out the back line. Sexton, I'm keen on. You're not keen on Sexton. Brimson, we're both cold on. Sammy, we're both cold on. Kelly, we're both on. If you're keen, okay if, with. If, if you're keen, if you're keen to have a safe set. Yeah, if you're keen to have a safe set yeah. of hands. Herbert, no. Uh, Corey Thompson, we can, we can understand it. And Campbell, we can understand it if you need the funds at fullback. Let's move on to these big boys up front. Aaron Clark, all but confirmed as the nine. Uh, as the days go on, the Aaron Booth fantasy is slowly drifting away. They have 28 people in their side at the moment. They've got two spots left. Yeah, Aaron Booth is dead in the water, unfortunately. Um, he was, yeah, he was such a pipe dream. He was a pipe dream, exactly. Yeah. It was exactly what I was going to say. He was the pipe dream. I've moved on to a new pipe dream, and that is Josh Cook from the Bulldogs. <laughs> Because Aaron Booth is gone. Um, I mean, Aaron, Aaron Booth will be awesome for like come around 10 when Justin Holbrook realizes, oh crap, Aaron Clark, Aaron Clark, Aaron Clark is not that good. So let's just get Aaron Booth in. Um, so around 10, we should have a cheapy emerge at hooker, which would be sick. Um, so he locked, he's locked in. Look, Aaron Clark is 300K. He's going to need to play 80 minutes to even me bother looking at him. And even if he plays 80, I'm probably still not looking at him. He's but just my a, advice is. Anyone that's picking Aaron Clark, you've got a couple of options. Delete the team. Find ADK and pick Ruben Cotter. Just take Josh Cook in the hope that eventually he's the number nine at the Bulldogs and go hard out elsewhere. Or pick Kobe Hetherington. At least he's probably going to be there or thereabouts. Yeah. There's, but there's some honestly, other options. I don't see Hetherington starting. I see more as a bench option. So probably will score Josh probably Cook. probably will score just more NPR it. Probably will score more off the bench than what Aaron Clark will playing eighty. Probably. Poor Aaron Clark. Look he's he's a fine nine super coach wise he ain't No he he's ain't. not. He's okay. I mean there's there's worse nines <laughs> in the comp. He's rubbish. There's worse nines if the Warriors the... <laughs> don't want you as a club, you you're you're not very good to be honest with you. Oh, that's that's harsh. That's harsh. Anton Post is gonna hit me up on Twitter <laughs> about that comment, but seriously if if you can't make it when you don't really own a decent nine in the Warriors, you're not a very good player. I'm oh, sorry. Nah. Shout out to Aaron Clark. Always, always love for for a bat lock. Um, <laughs> shout out to Anton. Call me out on. Yeah. Twitter. Shout out, shout out to Anton. And Anton Poser. Um, all right. We're getting we're getting <laughs> way off topic. I'll take another battle. We're getting way off topic. Um, Aaron Clark. Look, yeah, 300k is cool for a starting hooker. Take Randall. And someone else, anyone. I don't care who. Any, anyone else. Um, the big boys up front. I picked Tino in the prop. This should be an interesting discussion, yeah. actually. I picked Tino at prop because I feel like Tino doesn't offer as much as the other 13 that I've picked here. And obviously, sorry, Mo Fodawaker picked himself um, at one of the hookers, at one of the prop spots. Queensland's best player last year. So we have differences here. He's there. I mean, please tell me you've got Mo Fodawaker starting at least. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Jesus he has Christ. to start. For I was going to punch they, you they to the screen. Off, they can't play him off the bench. He's he, he's one of their best and he needs to start. So 100%, he's my number 10. I assume that you didn't have Tino in the front row. That's pretty outlandish from me, but I just feel like he's 
better suited in the front row. Um, he doesn't have the ball playing skills that the other 13 that I've picked has. I feel like he is better going forward than going sideways. So I'll, I'll name my 13 now, just so we get it out in the open. And that is Isaac Leo. Uh, I really rate Leo. I feel like he's going to provide some good width to the side. He's going to make life at Brimson a little bit easier, life for Sexton a little bit easier too, allow them to sit maybe one or two wider in the ruck. I feel like he can provide more spacing than what Tino can. Uh, at th- Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 13. Okay. Interesting. We're skipping over... The second row is here, obviously. We're just yeah, doing we'll props and lock. We'll, we'll, we'll okay. come back. We'll come back then. I, I just wanted to, to touch on my... I'm assuming... I'm assuming... I haven't looked at your team, but I'm assuming you've got Liu starting Tino at prop. You've just got it switched around. We do. We have a difference. So I do have Liu at eight, and I have Mateki at 10, and I have Big Tino Fasuamalai at 13. Um, here's my reasoning. Liu is aging. So he is getting on a little bit. He wasn't playing monster minutes at the Roosters last year. For me, your lock needs to be able to play 65 minutes. Not when you're carrying Will Smith. Players oh, sorry. go down. Not when you're carrying Will Smith. I've, I've go got Will down, Smith at 14. I do too, mate. But for me, your lock needs to be able to play 65, 70 minutes in case shit happens. And it Vic, does happen. Vic, Vic, Victor Radley never played 60. Victor Radley was a 55, 60 minute guy. When in, in a full but if in, needed to, Radley could play the 80 minutes if you wanted him to. Yeah, what I'm saying so, so is Liu. Liu doesn't really have the motor at this age to do that. I think Liu's better to shore up the middle, play a solid session of 20, 25 minutes to start the game and another one later in the game. And Tino needs to be on that field for 65 minutes for the Titans. He showed last year that he can do it. He showed last year when he was playing lock that he could do it and have a much higher work rate at lock, he's also a more destructive player when he gets a little bit of open field. Now, the fact that he didn't get open field last season, that's on the halves. That's not so much on him. I'm not asking him to be a ball-playing lock. I'm asking him to be a lock that follows the ball, hits the edge when he can, and breaks the line. We saw it at the start of last season. We didn't much see it beyond that. But at the start of last season, he was playing lock. Then they shifted him to prop. He played shithouse minutes. He, all of his stats went down the toilet. If you compare his stats at lock compared to prop, his lock, stop, his lock stats shit all over them. So for me, he needs to play lock. They need to utilize him better. And on top of that, obviously, Fafita's our, one of our second rowers. Fafita needs to be playing the minutes too. If you have damaging players, they need to be playing the minutes. And that is something for me that the Titans get wrong all the time. They also do it with Fotuaka. And I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but sometimes this is the, this is, the Titans, this is this is the roast of Justin Holbrook hosted by Bruce. Jesus this is Christ. Bruce, he loses it, I'm telling you, because they get it wrong. Fotuaka, weapon, gets misused. Tino last season, misused. Fafita, 
whatever problems he has with being lazy, he's still a better player on the field than he is playing off the goddamn bench. And those three, for me, need to solidify the positions that I've stated. Uh, this might Fotu be... needs to be 10. <sighs> Liu can be eight so that Fafita starts 11, not off the bench, and Tino plays lock. That's his position. This might be hot, but I think Tino... What's the mic? I think that, I think Tino. My rant. I think Tino was quite overrated, personally. Um, come at me on Twitter all you want. Don't really care. I think Tino was quite overrated. I think people rate him far higher than what he produces because of Cam Smith. I think they think he's David Fafita, and he's not. He he is he is David Fafita when he's got Cameron Smith giving him the ball. When it's Mitch Rain, he ain't. Um, so also, Mitch I want Rain's to... gone, mate. And and Aaron Clark, as we discussed, is an absolute number one hooker in the world. So Tino's <laughs> going to be fine this year. Um, I think you need to go back and do your research as well. Mm. Isaac Leo didn't miss a game last year. Averaged sixty minutes a game. Played eighty minutes. Uh, sorry, played more than seventy minutes eight times last year. The bloke has a motor. Uh, he is thirty years old, so thirty-one this year. Uh, I still think he can do a job when called upon. I just think he offers more versatility than what Tino does. Um, no surprise that I've just shit on Tino. And then he said he can't play 13. But, like, I don't know. I just... I don't know where to stand with this forward pack. Because Mo Fodawaker is the out-and-out stud when it comes to those middlemen. No disputing that. Dave Fafita, I'm happy to give but a part. he does nothing at prop. Who? Ten, I, I wish you told me we were going to fight about this. I would have come better prepared. This this isn't this isn't the <laughs> argument that I thought we were going to have. Um, no, like it's it's not even it's not even a super coach thing. Like it's just a general footy thing. I feel like Isaac Liu. Oh look, I think Liu's Isaac not a super coach option. I'm sorry, he's not. No, no, no. Um, his scores were too inflated last year. At the if he was coming into the season at like 380, 400k, um, there, could, there could be talk. But yeah, if he, he played starting. Yeah, played a lot of minutes last year under Trent Robinson with the injury. So his price is kind of inflated for what he'll do. Um, I just feel like from a general footy sense, Isaac Liu can offer more as a modern 13 than what um, Tino can. I feel like Tino is a very good ball runner going forward. He'll make his tackles, make his runs, drop about three balls a game. It's what he does. I just feel like Liu, especially with inexperienced halves, is able to create more space for them. Um, this is why I would have liked to see... People bag Tyron Peachy, but he's a pretty decent 13. Um, they shouldn't have dropped Peachy. No. To be honest with you. And Peachy shouldn't have wanted to go to the Tigers because the Tigers are rubbish. Sorry, mate. But, oh. like, Peachy did good things for them. The problem for Peachy was, it's like I've said with some of these other players, because he's such a hybrid, they just threw him everywhere. It's and he the Connor settle. Watson syndrome. That's what it is. I think Peachy would have started this year, to be honest. I think he honestly would have started at 13 at the Titans. He would have had a better chance to make the finals. I mean, the it's Tigers, ironic, isn't it? He the, probably would have. The Tigers are probably giving him a fat bag. That's maybe why he went. And if that's true, good on him. Go chase that bag, man. Footy short. I thought it was the Storm that gave fat bags, mate. Um, but in all seriousness, go go, go chase that bag. Um, secure your future. I get it. Uh, I just feel like you would have started at thirteen. You would have maybe played finals footy. I feel like he would have been a better fit at thirteen. We're going off on a tangent. This isn't the Tyrone Peachy rant. I don't know. I just I just prefer... Uh, we'll save Tyrone Peachy for, for I, the Tigers. I didn't, I didn't think we'd spend 10 minutes arguing uh, about Isaac Louis, um, but interesting. Okay. Um, also, yeah, I'm happy to give David Fafita a pass because it. I don't know how true this is or if it's just a cover-up, but he obviously was getting injections in his back. So, if that's true... Don't say that. If that's true, then it may may explain some things. If, it, if, it's, if it's not true, it's a really good cover job by the Titans. Um, and if it isn't true, this guy scored 400 tries last year and 
broke about 4,000 tackles and God help us if he's playing without needles. Okay, so let's talk for Fida um, because we've rambled enough. Can we spend, what is it, 745k on Fafita? Like, if you see someone send their side to you and it has Fafita there, are you telling him, are you telling them to take him out? Or if no. you can, if you can find the funds, is Fafita worth having? Is it, look, is, is, I'll sorry, sh- let me, let me re- reword that. Is it worth upgrading Angus to Fafita? My personal tactic, and I some, for some reason can't really go away from this, is I don't pay top dollar for forwards. I've, I rarely do. I'm more likely to pay it for a front row forward than I am a second row forward. For some reason, I just find that they start a little bit slower. They drop a, enough cash that if my mids move up enough in price, I can get them as quickly as I can. And by mid-season, I'm loaded. That's why I don't do it. Personally, however, is he the exception to the rule? One super coach before. I'm hoping I win it this year, but I haven't won it before, so there's no set way to play super coach. If you start with Fafita and you build a good side around it, go nuts, absolutely, because he is their best option by far in that position. If he plays 23 games or however many games he is scheduled to play this year at 80 minutes at lock at edge, he will be the top one. I have no doubt about that. His ability to break the line and his ability to score close to the line, faster seeds, all the others. Angus and those might be better players overall, but when it comes to super coach, he's a world in front of everyone else. So anyone that wants to pick him at 750, go nuts because last year he earned that price tag week in, week out. So his first nine games, he played 80 minutes in all of them, bar three. Uh, in the games he didn't play 80, he played 79, 71, 65. His scores were as followed. 60, 105, 112, 88, 147, 78, 153, 66, 97. A low of 60 in his first game in a very, very new club. That is juicy. And in that nine weeks, he rose 300K in nine weeks. He went from 569 to 851 in nine weeks. He is a god. He is a super coach god. There is no other way to put it. Bloke is a god if he plays 40 minutes. Bloke is a god if he plays 80 minutes. Something's happened. Something happened mid-year. Because you don't just play 80 minutes for the first nine, nine games and then play 50 to 55 Something happened. I, I honestly is don't... It a, is it a case that we we thought that the coach was hating on him? And he was broken. He might have been just been broken. On him. He was protecting him. Yeah. I, I is honestly, that the case? I honestly think something was wrong. I honestly... I don't care if it's form. You don't, you don't come out and say, oh, you know, it's, it's just form. I think Fafita was hurt. I think he was hurt bad and they were covering um, with the benchings and whatnot. Uh, if the Titans want to be pushing the finals footy, Fafita's playing 80 minutes. Very, very close to it. I'm actually now talking myself on to spending the money. Okay. So in, hold on. Let me fix one thing up. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm now, there. I'm now talking myself onto for feeder, uh, which God, I don't know if I can. In 18 minute performances last year, I probably should have done this for the second row pod, but I thought that he spoke for himself. So I didn't do it in 18 minute performances last season. He averaged 104. 
from seven games. If I take that out to even even sec. even like sixty five minute performance. I am a computer whiz, so give me a second. Stalling for time. If I take this out to seventy plus minutes, I can even do sixty five if you want. Yeah, do sixty five because I, I I don't think sixty five. I don't think he's going to go below that. All right, so if I go sixty five minutes plus, there is twelve games. And his average was 92. Incredible. Simply. So over incredible. the course of half the season, effectively, when he played 65 minutes or plus or more, he averaged 92. And Brew's about to go and change his side. For yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm about to, I feel like I'm about to go pull <laughs> I feel like I'm about to go God pull my it. side apart too for Fafita. Holy why shit! Why did I do this? See, this is why sometimes I don't do stats on everyone. But yeah. there we go. So, okay, so basically speaking, if he plays 65, which realistically should be the minimum minutes that this guy plays, get him in because he's on a shit ton of money every year, and he's the best player in their squad. He averages nearly a hundred, which yeah. is like the third best in the comp. And people can say, "Oh, but he's just a try scoring merchant." I think he's based. That's, that's as much as I think. That's as much as Teddy. I think he's based in power, um, which is a metric you and I love to use. His BP was seventy seven, and that included his like scores off the bench. Like the bloke, he's pure base. No, he's not going to go out and make. His 40. Base is forty three yeah. from those sixty five minute games. He's he's not going to go out. He's not going to um, go out and make forty five tackles, but he is going to kill about six defenders and score 17 offloads a game. Uh, he led the league on tackle busts per game. Uh, that was over Turbo as well. So the bloke had more tackle busts per game than what Turbo did. Shows you just kind of the form that he was in. I will never forget the try. I think it was against Newcastle. It was literally under eight stuff. He, he was 10 metres out. They got a penalty. He said, give me the ball. He took the tap and just ran at Connor Watson and ran over the top of him. Uh, that was an afternoon game against the Knights, and I've never seen anything like that. It was He's a very, very destructive force. I'm going to have to do some research after I get off off this to do it properly because I can't see the columns properly, but I have a feeling his base plus power is nearly 70 points per game in those it's, uh, it's more games than that. where he played it's, 65 plus. So um, if you want to give, give your thoughts on Fafita while I pull up um, his BP. I've got it as seventy-seven point six six. Yeah, that's what I. That's exactly what I have it as, and that's the thing. Like, he's not going to be a pure stat-based merchant, but what he is going to do is ridiculous. He's going to rack up. He's going to rack up evade. He's going to rack up offloads. He's going to rack up tackle busts. He's going to rack up everything. Like, I don't think you can stop him. He's not one of these guys. He's not one of these guys that you just figure out how to stop. So when we get off. This podcast, Dave, I am David Fafita is nearly to figure out how to turn out. David Fafita is nearly getting me Fafita. off. I am. Oh Jesus! There's an ugly thought for the listeners. Um, yeah, I've got to find a good 200, 250k. I think Madison. I think I'm Madison. Starting, I think I'm starting with Fafita. Into Fafita, so I'm going to carry the stud. I think. To all the listeners of the Dual I'm Position gonna, Podcast, I can now proclaim I am 95% sure I'm starting with Fafita. I might actually carry an extra MPR if I have to just to play this guy. Mm, yeah, his stats are juicy. Look, this podcast today has been a little bit rambly, um, but the moral of the story is we are now so keen on David Fafita. Um, so, and, uh, look, and the benefit is if you go to these top dollar guys, they are very easy downgrades. It's not like. All I'll say is that we're two guys having a chat here, basically, because there's no. 
Oh yeah, the, we don't stru- talk the, about these the structure has gone out all. the window in this podcast. Yeah, we the the structure was there for the um, positional pods because it was all about data and research, etc. This is just two people giving opinions, their opinions, yeah. basically, as you can see, and that's why we argue a little bit. That's why we're both talking about our teams and how we're getting David for feeder in about ten minutes' time. I'm making a <laughs> live. I'm making a live tweet. Oh, nice. As we speak, um, yeah. Sorry, this is this is us just rambling, but. Yeah, I guess it gives the thought processes into how we build our sides because Brew and I, we talk during the week, but we try and avoid talking Supercoach. So we have more to talk about For on now. these podcasts. Yeah, during the season, it will be different. For now. <laughs> but yeah. Ah, absolutely. But yeah, uh, for the listeners, if um, Fafita's ownership percentage doesn't go up over the next, say, three to four days, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. Are you, are you, are you hoping we have that swing on the community? Oh, absolutely. We, you had a bit of swing on... Um, Connor Tracy, yeah, I, I got Connor Tracy. I saw he went up nearly one percent. Yeah, I, I, I got I got him up like 08 percent. So shout out to anyone that got on uh, Connor Tracy, my ultimate pod. I think he went from zero point seven percent to like one point four. So that's that's nice. I believe after the Warriors pod and the Roosters pod, I'm going to spike some people. Oh yeah, you t- you were telling me about your uh, your little pod today. Um, stay tuned. I I'm told gonna... you one, yeah, uh, and obviously the others probably Paul Momorowski, but. We'll get to that. All right, the live tweet has just gone out, informing everyone to buy David Feeder. So if you saw this tweet before the podcast, because we're recording this a day earlier, then you know what we're talking about. Um, mate, that's going to do it. The bench kind of speaks for itself. Uh, none of the guys I'm really keen on. Look, I've got I've got Will Smith. Uh, I've got Will Smith, yeah, Jared Wallace, Sam Lasone, Bo Firma as my bench. Okay, I've got Will Smith, Bo Firma, Jared Wallace, Jamin Jolliffe. Jamin Jolliffe, Sam Lasone. Yeah, you can... Interchange uh, to them. Yep, yeah, and I've got Lasone as my 18. So pretty much our sides, our 18 men are the same. It's just in what order we play them. I don't see too many other players um, really pushing their way into that team. There's a few guys, you know, Sam McIntyre. Uh, he's probably on the fringe. I didn't actually have Tanner Boyd in the side, and I feel bad for that bloke. Yeah, I, I just think Will Smith signed for two years, so I feel like he might get the start coming also from a better system. Uh, whilst I'm rambling, if I'm going to throw out a few names, uh, you mentioned Paul Turner. He's there or thereabouts. And there was actually someone else I was looking at, a young fella actually, um, who's a winger. So his name is Alafiana Khan Pereira. I think he. Uh, I think he was just named in the Mario All Stars side. I think he was a name that I saw that I wasn't too familiar with. So, okay, props to him. Yeah, he's got he's got a lot of praise on him. Uh, he's a Queensland Junior Origin um, star. I don't know about the um, All Stars game, but he's someone that at some point could really push. First of all, for a spot in the squad, but second of all, over the course of the season, if they're if they're not winning. Um, and they start going, we need change. He's one of the guys that could start pressing. All right, that's going to wrap it up. I think I know the title for this episode as well. I think I'm just going to title this one, You Need to Own for Feeder, or something like that, uh, because of the 15-minute rant that we went on about how good the bloke is. So, yeah, I think the first thing I'll be doing now is jumping straight onto Supercoach and trying to get him in. At the moment, I had Pangai. I think I'm going to try and find some money to upgrade Pangai to... For feeder, so it's going to be interesting, um, guys. I hope you've I hope you've enjoyed the ramble that Brew and I had. Uh, we'll get back to a structure next episode. I think, yeah, those stats took us both by surprise. So, 
Hopefully it, it opened your eyes. I don't to... normally do live stats on the podcast, so I do apologize for that. There was a bit of ramble today. There was a bit of an argument um, over players, but that's super coach. That's two people Sexton, with similar brains. Sexton Slander still have differing opinions. Hey mate, Sexton. Sexton right? Slander will not be tolerated <laughs> on this podcast. I'm putting my foot down right now. Um, and, and I'm making a promise to the viewers: when you tweet this out, I'm going to um, a quote tweet that. And then as Sexton rinse. sucks. Oh, God. All right. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the 47-minute ramble that Brew and I have had. Uh, it's a hot afternoon. I'm just, I'm just going to blame the sun going to my head. Um, you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. Uh, I've been the SC Whisperer. I've been joined by Brew SC. You've been listening to the Dual Position Podcast. Titans to finish eighth, down to 14th, apparently. Enjoy. Bye. Ciao for now. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 